You... You were kind. You fought your fear. You were kind. It said again. I began crying. And you were kind to me, I said, not brushing away the tears that fell onto its bloody, tattered robe. Thank you for helping me when no one else would. A small smile on that lipless mouth. Feyre Archera. I told you to stay with the High Lord, and you did. It's warning to me that first time we'd met. You meant... You... You meant Reese? All this time... All this time. Stay with him. And live to see everything righted. Yes, I did. And it was. No, not yet. Stay with him. I will. I always would. Its chest rose, then fell. I don't even know your name. I whispered. The Surreal. It was a title. A name for its kind. That small smile again. Does it matter, Cursebreaker? Yes. Its eyes dimmed, but it did not tell me. It only said, You should go now. Worse things... Worse things are coming. The blood draws them. I squeezed its bony hand, the leathery skin growing colder. I can stay a while longer. I had killed enough animals to know when a body neared death. Soon now, it would be a matter of breaths. Thera Archeron, the surreal said again, gazing at the leafy canopy, the sky peeking through it, a painful inhale. A request. I leaned close. Anything. Another world a better place than how you found it welcome to the house of wind book club i'm hannah and i'm amber this is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession we're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or hello, Farrah darling, then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. You can see Rusty's face right now. Rusty's concerned. I couldn't so make it we. all the way through taps. We that was to commemorate our beautiful friend Surrey. We are 
This episode is a hard one. I can't believe we're not both in all black right now. What were we thinking? We should be. We should. We're in mourning. Even though we've already mourned before. We're in but re-mourning. now we're doing it all over again. I know. Round two. This was, we were to, So we were together when we read these upcoming chapters for this episode. And the like the air in the room was just like heavy and amber and i were just like no like we didn't even say anything we just looked at each other (laughs) with utter devastation in our faces silver lining our eyes as sjm as sjm would say (laughs) (laughs) it makes it sound a lot more elegant than it was but you know it's fine yeah it's fine oh my gosh i'm not okay i mean with the sorrow that comes with that there's a lot of other stuff that happens in this episode. Oh my god. So it's like we've been saying the past few episodes, it just keeps continuing the intensity, if not ramping it up a little bit more. Uh yes. I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> um, okay, so guys, don't forget that as a beautiful, wonderful, awesome listener of this podcast, you can get a free month trial and a free title on Audible. Yeah, you can at www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind whoop whoop mm-hmm. and october 22nd if you're in minneapolis or anywhere near there come hang out with us Please. we're gonna be at forgotten star brewery at 2 p.m lots of fun things planned so many fun things we have games we have prizes we mm-hmm. have our dogs will be there mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. will be a lot of fun and not only is it like yeah, we get to meet all of you, but in our beautiful little bookish community mm-hmm. that we have here in Minneapolis, like you will all get to meet each other too, which is really cool. So cool. Like maybe, you might make a new friend. Maybe you might make a new friend. Maybe book clubs will be formed. Yeah. I don't know. I have lots of hopes and dreams. So Reading we will buddies. see. Oh my God. We're going to anyway, change the world. Right. <laughs> Regardless, just One come. It'll be, it'll be... <laughs> Change the world one book at a time. One smutty book at a time. <laughs> one smut book at a time. Also, the one of the two of the prizes we got for you are hilarious. And oh I'm God. so excited to show you. So funny. So hopefully see you there. If you are in the area, please, please be there. Yeah, we want to hang. We do. Also, check out our Patreon. Yes. It's a really great way to support us. It's $5 a month. We have a lot of fun things kind of coming down the pike. Um, so feel free to check that out. Mm-hmm. Just the price of a nice coffee a month or a foot-long sub from Subway. Yep. Really, really not that much. No, yeah. Not at all. I, I do want to say one thing before we get into this episode. It is not bookish related, and we we won't do this often, but I just feel like the same type of people who enjoy reading and listening to our podcast probably also watch this as well but i just want to say for my fellow great british bake-off fans uh i discovered a podcast that is two former contestants david and michael and they have a podcast called the sticky bun boys this is not a promo they don't know us (laughs) we're not getting any payment for this but that is the best podcast. They just talk about the bakers and the show. And so if you like Great British Bake Off, I just needed to share that and put that out into the universe because I had no idea it existed. And I feel like some of you out there also enjoy that. So anyways, like I said, not bookish related, but 
I just needed to share. Absolutely. Oh, so Absolutely. good. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Let's go. Bringing us back to the world of Akatar. Mm. Let's summarize last episode. Mm-hmm. Last episode was insane. I'm still not recovered. I I don't I don't even have words. The first battle we entered went beautifully. Cassian unleashed his death dance on Hybern's army, mm-hmm. and it was like it was just magical. Mm-hmm. As However, could not find the remaining armies after the first battle, until he realized, almost too late, that somehow they snuck around and were almost to the Winter Court border. Yeah. So somehow they went all the way around, or didn't, you know, somehow Mm -hmm. they quote-unquote got around. So we had to kind of make a game plan. And what we decided was that, okay, they were going to, they all glamoured themselves, well, Farah, Reese, and Cressida all worked really, really hard to glamour themselves to make it seem like the army had stayed put near the first battle, when in reality, they all winnowed and flew north to catch Hybern's army off guard. Mm-hmm. Only that's exactly what they wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. We played directly into their hands, so then we got into a battle where all of our biggest baddies are drained. Yeah. Reese is drained. Varian was drained. Or not Varian, Tarquin was drained. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone was drained. Yep. And this battle did not go like the first. Our armies are getting obliterated. Mm-hmm. Our High Lords are drained. The Illyrian Siphons are dim. And Cass, in particular, mm-hmm. is vastly outnumbered. This is scary. It's not good, people. <laughs> it's not good. And Pharaoh realizes that the only thing she can do to really change the tides in this battle in particular, and really the entire war, she needs to figure out where the hell his armies are hiding. Yep. Because they, f- they like, defeat one group of people, and then another fleet of them just, like, shows up. Mm-hmm. And no one can really figure out where the hell they are. Mm-hmm. So, what is the only way to do that? <laughs> we gotta hunt, uh, hunt down our... Our little baddie, the cereal. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. I just feel like if we just ignore it, like it never happened. If we like, just if- skip that chapter altogether, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, we just don't need to read these next three chapters. It's fine. It's fine. Or next four chapters, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. But I really want to hear Ianthe's <sighs> story because that just makes my... Fucking hate her. It, it makes me happy. She, it's morbid, but but she met mm. she met a worthy end. Yeah. Again, I'm not. Well, she did deserve it, so I guess I can't even say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, chapter fifty-seven. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like not okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Okay, more vehemently refuses as Farah tells her to join the others in the battlefield, because at this point, you guys, we need her. She's wasted just, like, watching guard over Farah and her sisters. Like, if anything, like, Farah can take care of Nesta and Elaine. Like, more should be out there. Mm-hmm. And more brings up the very good point that Reese will murder her if she leaves Farah. But Farah's like, I'm going to be fine. I'll talk to Reese. It's fine. Like, you need to go. And even Nesta is telling more to, like, go help Cassian. GTFO. Yeah. She's like, please, for the love of God. And obviously, we we know that Farah's also being sneaky here. 
Um, she's trying to ditch her babysitter because Suri is not going to show up if Moore comes with Feyre. She has to be alone. And Moore gives in and she went to the battlefield and immediately begins kicking serious ass as her and Az make their way to Cassian. I love picturing Moore on the battlefield. Yep. And especially Moore and Az because they're so close and have mm-hmm. been so close for so long. And Cass as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, those three in particular, I really imagine them working so beautifully together. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily imagine Reese battling with them as like a cohesive unit of four. Mm-hmm. If it's just the Bat Boys, I can imagine it perfectly. If it's like Reese and Moore alone, yep. I can imagine it. But the f- like, there's something about Moore and As fighting back to back to get to Cass yeah. that is poetic. It's so beautiful. I love thinking about that. And yeah, you know they have that just like nonverbal. They don't even have to talk. Like they're just, they're also in a dance. They get it. Yeah, they just get it. While all of this is happening, Cassian is losing steam. And what is he doing? He's still heading into the fray. He's not taking a little Gatorade break. He's just still going. And... No orange, no orange slices at halftime for Cass. No Capri Suns. <laughs> no stretch break. No huddle. It's just all out war Yikes. for this guy. And Nessa's watching in horror. And you guys, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. My sweet baby boy is in danger. And I can't. So Vera begins to make a move to go. And Nessa's like, dude, are you, are you leaving? And... Farrah's just like, yeah, um, I'll be back. But honestly, Nessa doesn't even care because she's, after she's asked that question, she's literally just already turned back around, like, earnestly watching Cassian. Like, she cannot rip her eyes from him, which I also love. <laughs> and Farrah goes to Elaine, and I really like this exchange because Farrah usually is so gentle with Elaine and she needs Elaine's help here, but she goes in and she basically just slaps a map down on Elaine's lap and is like, I need you to find someone for me. Not even like, right can now. you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you're doing this. You are doing this. And I love that. And so she asks Elaine to help her locate Surrey. And Elaine is hesitant, but she agrees to try, which is good. Pharaoh plants the image of Suri in her mind and I actually really love that she asks Elaine's permission before she does this because it is essentially kind of the same as like touching someone without permission like you're putting a scary image like into her head yeah and it's and Farah also did a nice job of like prompting Elaine like this being is looks mm-hmm. much scarier than they are right they're my friend they're my friend yeah I need them to help me right now mm-hmm Oh, God. Because can you imagine someone, you never knowing no. anything about the surreal or any monsters and someone just like forces that imagery in your brain? Oh, my God. No, thank you. No. Hard pass. Nightmare inducing. That is, that is, mm-mm. No. Ugh. I would still probably freak the fuck out having a very vivid image <laughs> of what the surreal looks like. Someone just like forced me to see that. Uh-huh. I was going to say, even though we love Surrey, like, could you imagine not just artwork, like, actually what the cereal looks like? And I bet you're feeling, too, like, imagine Surrey like a Dementor, like, the air is cold around Surrey, and, like, 
like thinking about when Suri's talking, like I bet their breath smells really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like it's not pleasant, but we love them. (laughs) So uh, she, we do get a little confirmation here that Suri, our Suri, who we lovingly call Suri, is one surreal that keeps interacting with Farah. So some people have asked us about this, like in messages and stuff. And so, yes, this Suri is the same one, even though there are lots of surreal. Mm-hmm. They're they're a rare race, mm-hmm. but there are more than one. Like it's yes. not like Braxis or the Weaver, like or the Bone Carver. Mm-hmm. Like surreal, like the surreals as a race exist, mm-hmm. few in numbers, but. This is one. Yes. The Surrey. Surrey is our Surrey. Oh, yeah. It's the same one. Yep. Hit it, Surrey. (laughs) Oh, I just thought of a really good book idea, like a children's Akatar book that's if you give a Surrey a chicken or like if you give a Surrey a cloak, you know, like if you give a mouse a cookie. Yes. (gasps) Might when I'm in Maine for the next three months and it's just snowing and I can't do anything, I might make a watercolor book of that. You should. I have, I can put you in contact. I have a friend from undergrad mm-hmm. that actually published a children's book. Oh, fun. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. All right. TM, TM, guys. It's mm-hmm. my idea. You can't have it. <laughs> you can't have it. <laughs> it's mine. Farah notices once approaching Elaine's mental shields that she to call them shields is honestly kind of a joke. It's right. like Elaine's mental real estate, like with no ADT security system going on. <laughs> like the gates are wide open. But I like the symbolism of her her mental shields because they're just open iron gates. And I'm picturing just like beautiful, like wrought iron, like like gates essentially covered with flowers And the flowers are not open. They're all, like, closed. And they look like they're sleeping. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Yep. Elaine is literally meant to be in the spring court. She is is meant to be in the spring court. When you just described the gates, like what you're imagining. Yes. It's what I imagine the gates to get into the estate, into Tamlin's estate. Same. That's just where she belongs. I know. I'm I'm really, really hoping that if there is a redemption arc for Tamlin, that it's not Tamlin and Elaine that end up together. Oh fuck no. I hope that it's like Tam like Elaine and Lucian are together. Tamlin openly admits he's not a good leader, but wants to try being a better person. And Elaine and Lucian are like high lord and high lady of spring and um and, like, that's kind of, like, how that goes. And Tamlin just goes and does his own thing. Self-love journey. What do we know of the day court? Of what it looks like in the day court? Like, obviously, we know it's, like, mm-hmm. warm tones. I can't, I just, I don't have, like, a super vivid. Is We went to Dawn, right? That's where we went for the High Lords meeting. Mm-hmm. Day, I don't know, but it's a solar court, so I would imagine it would probably be a lot like the night court, but just, like, a lot brighter and warmer, essentially. Because if we go down the rabbit hole of that's where Lucian, he is the heir of the day um, court, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if Lucian and Elaine end up together, like, I 
really hope they do. I hope so too. I am a hard, a hard shipper of those two. Yeah, illusion for life. Um, like I just, I'm trying to imagine Elaine in the day court. I'm trying to imagine Lucian in the day court, which is hard because we just have autumn court ingrained in our brains so I hard. Know. And because he's red, like a flaming yes. redhead. Like, yeah, he just looks like his brothers. Yeah. So anyway, a little bit of a sidetrack, but. Ugh. I cannot, oh, Lane. Oh, I cannot wait for, I just need, I need to know more. I need to know more. Also that uh, interview that I sent you of Sarah J. Moss talking about how Asriel is, basically she alluded to Asriel's the next book and like it's going to be filthy. Thank God. Thank the Lord. Uh, so maybe we'll get more of Elaine in that just because I do feel that part of Azriel's story does include Elaine yep. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So that'll be exciting. Oh, hmm. I cannot wait. So Elaine, back to what we were doing here. So remember Pharaoh showing Elaine the cereal. It's taking me forever to tell you guys about it. Okay. So Elaine shudders at the sight of the cereal in her mind, even though Pharaoh like patted it with like the cereal's okay, like, and tried to make it as like least scary as possible. But eventually Elaine does track Surrey down and she says that the cereal moves through the world like wind. Love that. And guess where Surrey is, guys? Surrey is only a few miles from the Weaver's Cottage. Oh my gosh. Coincidence? Oh, I, I think, think not. not. <laughs> <laughs> so Farah immediately, she doesn't even wait for anything else from Elaine. She instantly winnows away and begins tracking the cereal. And as Farah thinks about everything that lurks in these woods, like the Naga and the Bog, or Bogey or however you say it, she draws her sword and then she hears an ancient rasping voice behind her say, Have you come to kill me or beg for my help once again, Farah Archeron? It's Suri! It's oh, Suri! Oh, oh. oh my god. Oh. In chapter 58, we start this chapter with my bestie, and I am always grateful when the fates allow me to recap Surrey chapters, because y'all know how I feel about Surrey. Mm-hmm. Surrey is like the one I cosplay the most, right? Oh, yes. Surrey is your character. I do mm-hmm. think it is very... We just randomly picked evens and odds for our chapters, and I really think it has worked out like every part that we personally, individually love usually ends up being like what we cover. Yeah. Only once I think we've been like, can we switch for this like yes. episode? But it's crazy how that how it like works out that way. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's perfect. The fates. The serial said, Thrice now we have met. Thrice now you have hunted for me. This time you sent the trembling fawn to find me. I did not expect to see those doe eyes peering at me from across the world. Okay. This statement unraveled a lot of things for me. Is this how the Surrey knows everything? Like, can the Surrey just like, because you know how the Surrey, how Elaine was like, the Surrey moves through the world like wind. Yeah. Is the Surrey kind of like the bone carver and just like all knowing or kind of like um like I'm imagining the um the sorcerer from Crescent City that can kind of 
just mm. see anything at any time through mm-hmm. his own ways that I'm not going to spoil for anyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, I, I feel like the serial isn't just a being that gets its information from word of mouth. Right. Like, there's something extra about the serial that we haven't quite grasped. Correct, yeah. Because the serial could feel and could see Elaine finding them mm-hmm. throughout, like, the veil. I almost imagine, like, a veil of Ooh. the world. And yeah. the serial can, like, see into the veil or, mm-hmm. like, transport within the veil. I don't know how best to explain it, but there's more to the serial than we know. Yes. I wonder, too, if it is a lot like... uh like when Reese and Farah can like feel people trying to like enter their minds. Like I wonder if Elaine had to almost like put herself into the serial to like figure like, out where figure they were. Figure out where they were. Mm, so I wonder too, it could be like an element of that. But I like the idea of both of like Surrey physically seeing like and, Elaine like peering in. Or like the Surreal and Elaine are sensitive to that, like, veil realm. Do you know what I'm, what vibes, as Gen Z would say, this is vibes. giving Witcher vibes. When the monolith, like, mm-hmm. where they go, at, like, the monolith falls and they go into, like, the the realm, like, the yes, parallel like realm. like Stranger Things, like, the Upside Down. Like, the Upside Down. Yes. It's, yes. Like, it's like an alternate universe or like marvel when like the timeline splits and loki like it's it's like Mm -hmm. again it's like a clouded version of where they're at yes but it's just like slightly different Mm -hmm. or like most i wonder if most individuals aren't sensitive to that yep but the people who are can also perceive when others are seeing them through that veil because they're sensitive to it but i feel like if elaine looked for Farah, perhaps. Like, Farah wouldn't be able to necessarily sense that. Right. But the Surrey can. Yes. Anyway. I, that's, I love that. Weird little tangent, but. Love that um, tangent. Back to Farah and the Surreal. They have a fascinating encounter. Mm-hmm. They are speaking almost as friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just the image that I have, like, cemented in my brain, again, from, like, fan art and just kind of general perceptions from bookstagram and things like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, all of our previous encounters with the Surrey were at least a little hostile. This yeah. is not. This we were, is not. Yes. We were at least questioning, like, are we walking away from this? Right. Yeah. Right. Now I'm not feeling now, that. Well, in the previous two times, the Surreal was trapped. Right. There is no trap. There is no trap here. Yeah, we're just casually... We're just talking. We just saw you in the grocery store and said hi, you yeah. know? Like, hey, let's just chat. Yeah. Elaine is not able to track the cauldron. So the Surrey recommends... What about Nesta? Of course. Reminding her, like calls to like. Mm. Since Nesta is unable to harness her power, Surrey explains that she would have to instead scry with bones and stones oh god and this is not necessarily something we knew that nesta could do so again i love how our creatures give us like a little power boost mm-hmm. of like by the way you can do this and yes. sjm does that across all of her yes, books she, does. she has like these powerful beings give our main characters tidbits about what they're able to do so they 
because you don't know what you can do if you don't know. You don't know how yes. to harness your power if you don't know where it stops and starts. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to know what direction to go in. Like, Farah at least has, like, she got her powers from High Lords who very much know their power. Yes. So she knows what to feel for. But Nesta's an anomaly. Elaine's an anomaly. We don't mm -hmm. know what to even try. Mm-hmm. Because we have no idea what their power entails. Yeah. But the Suri obviously does. Yeah. The Bone Carver does. Mm -hmm. So these are the individuals giving us insight into Nesta's power in particular. Yes. Which I like that because I find it very unrealistic in fantasy stories when like a character gets a shit ton of power all at once or discovers that they have magical powers and then it's just like oh all of a sudden like they can just draw on the power and use it and like then they're good yes. to go I yes kind of like Farah. i mean Farah does that God, she just like yeah. harnesses her power very is, fast but the good thing about Farah is i think i do think if nesta tried to use her powers which her powers are a lot different too they're not like actual like pew pew you know like you're like ha <laughs> <laughs> ha I didn't know, like, how else to put that. You know, like, she's not, like, not shooting, like, power. cause yes. and effect. Right. Yep. But I do feel like um, Nessa and Farah are very, like, strong-willed. So I do feel like a, it makes sense when it's a strong-willed character that can r use their raw powers. But you know I love a good training sequence or, like, like you said, ancient or, like, wiser characters being like, have you tried this? Or, yeah, like, I but, love it. But this is possible. Yes. I love that she does that. SJM is a genius. Oh. I just love it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of our first question. Farah's first question is kind of about the cauldron um, or how we can find the cauldron, rather. The next question is she wanted to know why did the cauldron not react when she joined the book and the cauldron together? Why the hell didn't it work to nullify its power? And the surreal explains, you didn't hold on long enough. And Farah was like, I was literally about to die uh -huh. to which the surrey said did you think you could leash its power without a cost like silly child yeah so yes farah was correct in multiple domains and i think she just kind of pulled a reese and she knew the answer mm -hmm. and was just getting validation that she did everything right yep. she just let go to save her life but she could have held on and died and nullified the cauldron's powers. Which she knew. Yep. We just got it validated. Thanks, Suri. That's this a hard pill to swallow. God. Thanks for shoving that one down my throat. Surreal. I freaking hate it when it's like you, yeah, when you get that confirmation of like one of your beloved characters is going to have to basically die. It's like a Harry Potter moment. Okay, that's another. Nope. I refuse to even think about that chapter. Yeah. Next question. If, if we, we ignore it, it doesn't if exist. If we ignore it, it doesn't la, exist. La, la, Say la, la, it with la. me. If we ignore it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, next question, which is just, we already have a pit in our stomach, right? Mm -hmm. This one just makes it like a 10-pound ball of lead yes. in our stomach. And the question is, if we nullify the cauldron, will it be enough? And the Surrey, per usual, gives a very vague, it depends. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is that all you can give me? <laughs> we need specific answers, Surrey. Okay, bae. Like, come on. Just give me a little bit of something. And something. but Farah specifically asks, what if what if I get the bone carver? And the Surrey is like, I cannot see 
what happens with the bone carver. It's kind of like like the bone carver is like Bella. Yep. Like you they don't know what happens when you involve the bone carver. The bone carver cannot be seen. Yep. Which again, I mm. feel like it's because the bone carver is a death god and they're not of this world. So, so Suri has no jurisdiction over what I'm the bone carver does. Yeah. Mm. And then when she asks next, will the Ouroboros drive me mad? Will it break me? <laughs> I might get this next line tattooed on my body. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, okay. Serial said, only you can decide what breaks you, Cursebreaker. Only you. <laughs> I am, like, I have tears in my eyes right now. I could cry. I could pause this podcast and just get a quick cry. Yep. Real quick. It's so good. It is so powerful. Maybe I will get that tattooed on my body. It's a good one. I feel like she has a lot of really good, like, only you can decide what breaks you. Don't let the hard days win. Like, I am the rock on which the Mm -hmm. surf crashes. Like, there's so many, like, just keep reaching out your hand. Like, there's so many good ones. There's so many. I'm covered in goosebumps. Ugh, me too. Beautiful. <laughs> and then he says, or they say, tell the sil- silver-eyed messenger that the answer lies on the second and penultimate pages of the book. Together they hold the key. The answer to what you need to stop high. And the next part, I would like to skip over entirely because my heart cannot physically handle it. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It took Farah a moment to realize and accept the wooden arrow sticking out from the Suriel's throat. Another moment of realization, and she finally is hearing the wet screams of the Suriel as yet another arrow pierces them. Pera, mother of monsters, immediately reaches out to help. And then we hear the worst voice in this entire series. Why does it talk to you, Pharaoh, when it would not even deign to speak with me? Ugh. Fucking Ianthe. Of like all the things she's done, this is the most unforgivable. Actually, fuck her. Like, Fuck her. I am. Yeah. Nope. I think must have to be your least favorite character. <laughs> I fucking hate this character. She's SJM worst. has done a really, really good job of mm-hmm. making every fiber of my being mm-hmm. loathe this character. I cannot stand from the beginning. Like, I feel like I have an unreasonable amount of hate towards Ianthe. Like, SJM wrote this character for you to hate. Oh, yeah. But it, like... Like, yeah, I hate Tamlin. I don't like Tamlin, but, like, he's okay. Ianthe? Ianthe? Excuse me? You... If anyone comes up to me and tries to defend this woman... No. 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 I... This is not a conversation. Yeah. There was never going to be a redemption arc for her. It's impossible. Oh, I'm so mad. I know. I'm, like, I'm mad and I'm sad and I'm 
heartbroken. <sighs> My God. Okay. Chapter 59. This is horrible. I don't like I'm this. I'm having you guys. a bad time. This is when we chose to recap these books, like we didn't think about everything it entailed. I was thinking about the fun, sexy scenes. Like I was thinking about like Silver Flames and and then um <sighs> uh Mist and Fury, 54 and 55. I was not thinking of this. <sighs> okay, guys, chapter 59. Here we go. Because it is canon, we do have to cover it. Ugh. <laughs> no matter how much denial we're in. That's right. So Farah is like frozen essentially because she's debating whether she needs to winnow away or not. But she sees Suri just bleeding out in front of her and they mouth to her silently, run. Like Suri has accepted their fate. Oh my God. And I might actually cry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely going to cry during your chapter. Because at least we get, oh, God, I don't know. So, God, Iandi continues droning on and telling Farah it took Highburn days to undo what Farah did to her. And she still can't use most of her hand. And honestly, I have to say this fucking impressive. <laughs> like, the king of Highburn couldn't undo what Farah did. Like, hell yes. I can just imagine Farah being like, technically, you did it. Yeah, this was, yeah, you did it to yourself. It's like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> I, had the, I clearly remember you had the rock in your hand and you were smashing it. I'm confused why you're yeah. trying to blame me for this. No one clearly the fault is all yours. <laughs> Damn, I hate her. Gaslight the gaslighter. Yep. Appropriate gaslighting, though. Right. <laughs> so this entire time, Farah is frozen. She's like, what am I supposed to do? And Ianthe reveals fucking Tamlin told her of how Farah had trapped Cereal several times. And what a twat. What an actual twat. And when Ianthe tried to capture Suri, she captured them, but they wouldn't talk to her. So figuring that Farah would eventually track down the Surreal again, at some point, she put a tracking spell in the cloak that she gave Surreal the last time she trapped them. What a bitch is all I have to say. If anyone is deserving of that title, it is Ianthe. Mm, so much. Suri continues, like just, just drawing out the agony SJM. Suri continues to silently plead for Farah to run. It's like, girl, get out of here. And Pharaoh realizes that Suri is willing to be taken in and tortured by Highburn to protect her. True friendship. Because <sighs> we know what Highburn is like. And the Surreal obviously knows what Highburn is like, too. They know everything. Mm-hmm. So Ianthe reveals that Highburn built walls for her to protect her from Pharaoh, And... I love that Ianthe is so weak-minded that she can't learn to, like, build her own shields. Like, she's just the actual worst. Like, it's amazing how she got into that position of power in the first place. Yeah. Like, literally how? I think it's just one of those, like, evil villain when you're bold enough. Yeah. People listen. Yeah, she's just, like, conniving. Yeah. Yeah. 
She's very manipulative. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Also, a thought just popped into my head. Was Sir did Suriel and I know we literally just talked about this. Did Suriel tell Pharaoh where Hybern's armies were, or did they say they couldn't like tell that? Um, they couldn't see that. Or that's don't. what that's what they're going to use the scrying for. Okay, okay, okay. Because quick Moss first theory here. Skip ahead if you haven't read every single SJM book. I wonder if Suri can't, again, can't see specifically, like, what Hybern is doing. Because remember our theory that Hybern could be, like, a Val king mm-hmm. and technically is not from our, like, universe. Yeah. So can't be like, oh, yeah, they're, like, that's why someone else has to do it, essentially. Right. Anyways, that thought just popped into my head randomly. I don't know why. Okay, back to what we were saying. Sorry for that tangent, guys. So... Pharaoh sees that Ianthe only has two guards and smiles to herself as she takes advantage of Ianthe underestimating her yet again. Ianthe is so stupid. Typical. And she smiles in farewell to the surreal as she steps out into the clearing and tells Ianthe she should have killed her the night they slept in that tent together. Agreed. Why did we not do that? (laughs) Ianthe tells Pharaoh to watch her mouth as she warns Pharaoh that I am that I'm her your best advocate against Highburn. And Farrah simply says, Ianthe will have to catch her first in order to defend her against Highburn. And she bolts. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <Yeah. laughs> and so Farrah runs through the woods, which I also love this part. The woods even seem to be helping her out by like clearing pathways for her and opening for her and then like tangling around like Ianthe and her guards. Mm-hmm. I love that. That reminds me of in Throne of Glass, when Aelin is visited frequently in times of need by her little friends. By the little people, the like little yes, isn't that what they called them? Like the little fairies aren't? Didn't they call them like the little? I don't know. Folk what, I can't something? remember what they're called. Yeah, they're like the little tiny fairies. But her little friends. <laughs> it's so true. Like yes, but in this case, like Farah's essence is the woods, right? Oh, she yeah. was like born of the woods. Yes. And reborn of the woods, like, to the point where Reese explains, like, especially in this, like, book that I'm reading from Reese's point of view from mm-hmm. Akamath, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it really hones in on the, like, from his perspective, like, I I smell I smell her before I see her. The, the scent of pine and jasmine hits me before I can even hear her. I love that. So it's the, the pine and the jasmine, like, Farah is the woods, the woods are her Uh and they they work together at this instant and i love that i love that too so much yes and i love all of that and as they're as she's running through the woods pharah is like i'm gonna make these bastards pay for what they've done i've gone too far this time and as she approaches the cottage the weaver's cottage she makes sure that ianthe and the guards hear her whisper Help me as she enters. <laughs> Sneaky. Sneaky girl. I love it. Me too. I love it. Chapter 60. Enter into the weaver's cottage. Yes. And the first word we hear is thief. <laughs> I have chills. Ianthe, you stupid, stupid woman. She's so dumb. 
from outside the cottage. We just hear her say she's still underestimating Farah, naturally. Mm -hmm. And she says, you do know that we'll have to kill whoever is inside there with you. Selfish of you, Farah. Meanwhile, Farah can feel the weaver standing and coming closer. Ianthe continues to taunt Farah, thinking she's already won. And again, always underestimating Farah. You cannot underestimate this girl. No. Like of and like she, Ianthe should know because I'm sure she had plenty of conversations when she was in the spring court with Tamlin about like hiding Pharaoh's powers and like you know Tamlin was telling Ianthe like oh today this power manifested like I saw it or whatever right like come on you know she's with Reese now you know that Reese is going to teach her how to use that stupid she's just dumb stupid she's not smart and so the Weaver <laughs> knows Pharaoh is in there. Right? She identified her immediately. Their last encounter, Farah stole from her. Yep. Hence why, and threw a brick at her face. Right? It yep. was not a pleasant encounter. Nope. But still, the weaver just says, Who did you bring, little wolf? Who did you bring to me? To which Farah replied, Dinner. <laughs> Farah jumped out of the cottage immediately after Ianthe and the two guards entered, just before the door slammed with the force of exactly what the weaver was. A god. Oh, God. So remember when that door closed when we stole the ring? Mm-hmm. And that utter panic yes. that we felt before we decided to go up that disgusting chimney? Ooh. Oh, God, the chimney. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> recover from that, from the chimney. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happened to sweet, horrible Ianthe. And her two shitty, shitty guards. But Farah got out. She looked back as she's running away, and she saw a glimpse of stumped teeth and the weaver's true form before she was hurtling for the trees. And she barely got through, like, the first line of trees, and she could already hear Ianthe and the guards screaming. <laughs> Uh, brings me actual music to my ears. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so she returned to the cereal. She's absolutely gasping for breaths at this point because she probably just sprinted a couple miles. Oh, yeah. And all she can think about, she she's like, I have to save them. I have to. And she just says, let me help you. I can heal you. She can do it the same way that she healed Reese from the poisoned arrows, right? She reached for an arrow, but a bony, dry hand settled on her wrist. And the Suri just said, Your magic is spent. Do not waste it. The Suriel knew the cloak it wore was magical and would tell Hibern if Farah caught it again. And yet the Suriel still came. The Suriel said, You were kind. You fought your fear. You were kind. <laughs> and Farah began crying. 
And I'm just going to read you like two pages because I can't summarize it. There's no way to summarize this. Okay. And you were kind to me, I said, not brushing away the tears that fell onto its bloodied, tattered robe. Thank you for helping me when no one else would. A small smile on that lipless mouth. Farah Archeron, a labored breath. I told you to stay with the High Lord. And you did. It's warning to me that first time we'd met. You, you meant Reese. All this time, all this time. Stay with him and live to see everything righted. Yes, I did. And it was. No, not yet. Stay with him. I will. I always would. Its chest rose, then fell. I don't even know your name, I whispered. The Surreal. It was a title, a name for its kind. That small smile again. Does it matter, Cursebreaker? Yes. Its eyes dimmed, but it did not tell me. It only said, You should go now. Worse things... Worse things are coming. The blood draws them. I squeezed its bony hand and leathery skin growing colder. I can stay a while longer. I'd killed enough animals to know when a body near death. Soon now, it would be a matter of breaths. Farah, Archeron, the serial said again, gazing at the leafy canopy, the sky peeking through it. A painful inhale. A request. I leaned close. Anything. Another rattling breath. Leave this world a better place than how you found it. And as its chest rose and stopped altogether, as its breath escaped in one last sigh, I understood why the serial had come to help me again and again. Not just for kindness, but because it was a dreamer. And it was the heart of a dreamer that had ceased beating inside that monstrous chest. Its sudden silence echoed into my own. I laid my hand on its chest, on that now silent vault of bone, and wept. So if you weren't crying before, you are now. You are now. Um, I'm not okay. <laughs> like, the beauty of this is that, like, the surreal, you really don't... I mean, obviously we did going into a reread of this, like, going through it of the lens of having read this. But I remember reading this for the first time and you're just like, oh, yeah, like, I like the cereal. Like, the cereal's cool. And then you get this and you're like. Devastated. Oh. Like, this is a this is a friend you didn't know was a friend until it's happening. And, like, they're dying. And it's absolutely amazing, mind-blowing how a couple of sentences, how a page 
can change your entire perception of mm-hmm. a character. Mm-hmm. This, the Suriel's death is so monumental and like it's huge for Farah's character development. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it shows the intensity of the moment of how Farah responds. Because she's been such a shell for so long. She doesn't cry. She, I mean, she cries out of, like, sorrow. But she doesn't, like... She, like, panic cries almost. Mm-hmm. She doesn't, like, reactive cry to things that are really sad. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, she's weeping over the loss of this monstrous being who she just realized is a dreamer. This being like, was a dreamer. Yeah. Just like her. Yeah. <sighs> I, I mean, all I have to say, too, is moral of any story ever and of life, being kind matters. And it really means something. Like, you just never know. Like, Suri has been alive for such a long time. Like, do you know how many beings probably ever showed it kindness? Like, very, very few, if any, ever. The only reason anyone besides another creature would interact with Suri is because it wants something from them. Yeah, and it has to literally trap them. Yes. And force them against their will. Yep. Yes. Which initially we had to do that too. But again, showing that like... Even within that, showing kindness and Farah always choosing to do the right thing. Right. Like, like at our first encounter, freeing the Suri, mm-hmm. when she could have easily kept the Suri ensnared and the Suri would have died right there. Yep. Suri would have been bait and she would have been fine. Yeah. So, oh my God. I'm really going to miss Suriel. I'm going to cry again. Ugh. So Farah just wept and wept until she finally feels a hand on her shoulder. And it's an unfamiliar scent and an unfamiliar voice. Um, not who she was expecting mm-hmm. at all. And she looks up and sees Helian. So what she did is she politely asked him for his luxurious cloak. Draped it over the cereal. And then Helian burned the cereal into ashes in a cloak that it deserved. What a worthy end for such a beautiful creature. Oh. Yes. My I'm... soul is <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. I like have no words because my soul is just slowly crushing in on itself. Yeah. To even think, for Farah to even, like, think of that in that moment, too. And, like, for Surreal to finally, it's kind of, it's not the same, but it's kind of like a Dobby moment. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Suri has such Dobby vibes, which Dobby is another top tier Harry Potter character, like, that will just be superior to any other character in a book ever, always. No. Like, like I just picture like the surreal like 
the cereals like spirit just like looking down and like seeing that they finally got you know mm-hmm. like a like a beautiful cloak and like respect at the end which is beautiful. what it deserved all along absolutely beautiful <laughs> my heart is broken uh... <laughs> I hate, but also love this episode, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> and also, you guys are going to hear that passage twice because that has to be the voiceover intro for this. Like, it's you're just going to listen to it twice and you're going to be happy about it. You're yep. going to suffer, but, but you're, you're going to be, be happy, happy about, about it. it. <laughs> In the words of Ronald Weasley. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's a wrap. On that bleak-ass note. <laughs> so it's just like... I'm so sad, but it's so, like, bittersweet at the same time that I, it's such conflicting, intense emotions. Like, I keep saying the word intense. I'm using that frequently. It is intense. But it's, it's a word to appropriately describe how I'm feeling about everything that's happening. Yes. And it's like the first real loss we've had so far, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking that's, you know. Right. Because we do talk a lot about in the Akatar series how there's like, we don't really lose a lot of people that we love. No. Nope. <clears throat> but we do love Suri. And I do feel like it is, again, it is like that Dobby feel of like, we love the serial, but like in all reality, like, Farah and Suri were never just going to like hang out and be friends. Like no. a normal, you know, like her and more hang out, you know? Like, no. so it, it still has, but it's like this ancient creature has like sacrificed mm-hmm. like it chose to end its existence to like for the for the good of like prithian essentially yes because it is of prithian like prithian is also its home mm. <sighs> unreal so unreal man well like i said on that bleak ass note we're gonna wrap it up um make sure that you read chapters 61 through 63 um <clears throat> to be prepared for our next episode Thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. You guys are amazing and we cherish every message and comment and every interaction we have with you guys. The House of Wind book club would be a boring, empty place without you. So we thank you for that. We appreciate your support. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at House of Wind Pod. And email us, email us your theories or burning questions to House of Wind Podcasts at gmail.com. This information can also all be found in the show notes. Talk to you next week. Stay smart.